Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Good morning, church. Those who don't know, I'm not, I'm not Randy, Pastor Randy. This is uh, Pastor Rico. We're about the same height, so you might get confused. But uh, <laughs> Pastor Randy, I mean, excuse me, Pastor Rico, I'm getting confused myself. <laughs> Pastor Rico, and uh, again, thank the Lord. I just thank the Lord for the opportunity to be able to share his word. And I, was, I mentioned this in the first service. It's truly a, uh, in my mind, it's truly a miracle that the Lord would use little old me to, to share his word. Because I tell you, the only reason I'm here today is because I've been called by the Lord. The only reason. And uh, I was sharing... I've, I was sharing with the uh, first service that, you know, when I was called, I actually had a physical encounter with the Lord. And there's uh, two times I've had a physical encounter, once when I was called to preach and once when I was called to pastor. And it's something I've never shared publicly. I've shared it with my family and shared it with a few other people, but I never felt led, never desired to actually share that. But uh, for those who are going through the Bible reading plan, we just recently covered the book of Acts maybe about a month or so ago. And as we were reading the book of Acts, I noticed three times, I never really picked up on that before, but three times Paul shared his experience when he was actually called by the Lord. And so there are times when I think the Lord does want us to share some of our experiences. And so even though this happened over 30 years ago and I never shared it publicly, the Lord has placed it on my heart for whatever reason that uh, he wants me to share it. And so maybe someone needs to hear this today. But uh, I've shared part of my calling before, so um, I was going to college, I was terrified of public speaking. And I know it's hard for people to believe that, but I was terrified of public speaking. And so I, I went to Cornell University, got my master's degree, and all through college, I never gave an oral presentation, because I would look at the classes ahead of time. And if I saw you had to give an oral presentation, I would not take the class. I probably could have had a 4.0 because some of those classes they said were easy. But I said, get oral presentation? Nope, I'm not taking it. So I went through, all, went through all college, got my master's degree, and I never gave an oral presentation. So somehow I beat the system. <laughs> but then I started working for DuPont as a process engineer. And after two years, I had to give a presentation on the uh, project that I was working on. They called it a tech review hour-long presentation in front of about 50 people. In my mind, it may as well have been a million people. I was, I was absolutely terrified. You know, they say that's the number one fear, even above death, is public speaking, and that definitely was me. And so I had to give this oral presentation. I remember it was on a Friday. For those of DuPont, it was in the Nomex basement. And uh, I, I remember about an hour before they gave the presentation, I was just praying. I was pacing back and forth. I was a nervous wreck. And I was just praying to the Lord, just asking him for help as I had to give this oral presentation. And as I was praying, all of a sudden I heard an audible voice that said, don't worry, I'll be with you just as I'll be with you when you preach. And I was like, what? (laughs) I mean, I wasn't thinking about preaching. Preaching hadn't entered my mind. I wasn't, only thing I was trying to do was survive this presentation. It says, don't worry, I'll be with you just as I'll be with you when you preach. And I had a fairly big office because I shared it with someone. I was looking behind the desk. I went in the closet. I had a closet. I looked in the closet. I'm trying to figure out who said that. And I was was the only one in there. So I figured it must have been the Lord. Um, So I did the presentation. Presentation went well. 
Um, I went home, told Tony, my wife, that I had been called to preach, and, you know, she acted like she wasn't surprised. I guess sometimes your spouse knows you better than yourself. You know, I, I was still in shock, but she acted like she wasn't surprised. But, you know, I still wasn't convinced. And so what I said, I said, Lord, if you want me to preach, I need a physical sign. Now, a couple things wrong with that, amen? A couple things wrong with that. <laughs> First of all, the only sign that we need is the Word of God, amen? This is the only sign that we need is the, the Word of God. And then here I am, a puny old human made out of the dirt, telling God what he needed to do. And then really it was due to a lack of faith on my part because I didn't think that the Lord could could use me to preach. But anyway, I said, Lord, if you want me to preach, I need a physical sign. And so I went to bed that night and I was just praying all night long, trying to ask, you know, trying to determine, you know, if I had been called to preach. And thoughts kept coming into my mind, like uh, preach the word, uh, do my will. One time I heard preach, preach, preach. And I just kept saying, no, Lord, I want a physical sign. No, Lord, I want a physical sign. No, Lord, I want a physical sign. And this went on all night long. And finally, nothing, nothing happened, but I got up in the morning. So I got up in that morning, and I just picked up my Bible. I went to the table, and I just happened to open up my Bible. And when I opened it up, I went to the uh, first chapter of Jeremiah. And I've never, you know, I've tried to do it since then. I've never been able to turn to this page. <laughs> opened it up, and I went to the first chapter of Jeremiah. And this is what it says. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And as I was reading these verses, all of a sudden tears just started, you know, running down my eyes. And then as I'm sitting there at the table, you know, tears running down my eyes, all of a sudden there was this presence behind me. I couldn't see it. it whatever was going on, it was behind me. And then all of a sudden, my hands got lifted up in the air, and my whole body just started shaking. And what it reminds me of, have you ever seen a parent grab a child and shake them to get their attention? <laughs> That's exactly what it reminded me of. And it happened for maybe, I'd say, 10 or 15 seconds. And as I'm sitting there, you know, in, in, in the chair, my whole body being shaken, the thought that came into my mind was, is this enough of a sign for you? <laughs> God has a sense of humor, amen? He has a sense of humor. And so when that happened, I kind of slumped down. I slumped down, my hands on the, my head's on the table, and I just started laughing, kind of like a laughter of joy, laughter of, of relief that, you know, the Lord heard my prayer and he, and he answered my prayer. And so I'm just sitting there, my face on the table, just kind of laughing. But then, church, it happened a second time. And this time it was different. If you look on the outside, exactly the same hands lifted up in the air my whole body was shaking but on the inside it was totally different because literally I thought that I was going to die I don't know what the Lord did I don't know how he did it but all I know if it had happened for a couple more seconds I was going to die right there in that apartment and as I was sitting there hands my, my, my whole body is shaking hands lifted up in the air the thought that came into my mind was now you go out and do my will 
I know what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. And that's why you often hear me say that the fool hath said in his heart that there is no God. For I'm here to tell you in the sanctuary and those who are listening online that yes, God is real. Amen? Yes. God is real. All right, today we're going to continue our preaching series out of the book of Genesis. And we're going to look at Genesis, the 16th chapter. And we're also going to look at 2 Samuel, the 6th chapter. But first, let's go to Genesis, the 16th chapter. And for now, we're just going to look at the first two verses. Genesis, the 16th chapter, first two verses. And there it reads, Now Sarai, later renamed Sarah, Abram's wife, Abram's later renamed Abraham, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened or listened to the voice of Sarai. Now let's go to a second Samuel, not a book we turn to very often. Let's go to second Samuel, the uh, sixth chapter. And there we're going to look at the first seven verses. Second Samuel, the sixth chapter. And there it reads, again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Bailey of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying, accompanying, accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. That's a tough word to pronounce. Um, and David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor... Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and God smote him there, struck him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, just for the uh, blessed opportunity, Lord, to stand behind this pulpit, Lord, as we prepare to deliver thy holy and thy most precious word. Lord, as I stand here this morning, I realize, Lord, that I can do absolutely nothing without you, Lord. For you said that I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. But yet I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So, Lord, as I stand here this morning, Lord, I ask for the filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I ask and pray that the words that come forth from out of my mouth, Lord, that they would not be mine. But I ask and pray they might be yours. For we are not here for form or fashion, Lord. We are not here to glorify ourselves, but we are here to lift up your name, that wonderful, awesome, magnificent, precious, and just glorious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. So I ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen me, Lord, that you would use me and help me to lift up your name. In Jesus Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. Our message for this morning is entitled, God's Way is the Only Way. 
God's way is the only way. Now in the previous chapter, in the 15th chapter of Genesis, which Randy partially took us through last week, we saw an example of Abraham's great faith. For even though he had some doubts along the way, when Abraham was still childless and the Lord brought him forth and said to him, Look now towards heaven and count the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And the scripture goes on to say that Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted, to, counted it to him for righteousness. Thus we see because of Abraham's faith that the Lord gave him the righteousness that he needed, which was God's perfect righteousness. And this is one of the reasons why Abraham is called the father of the faith, and we are called children of Abraham. Because we receive God's righteousness in the exact same way, and that is through faith. For if we desire a righteousness that is acceptable to God, it must be divinely provided. As Romans 3.22 says, we need the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, upon all, unto all, and upon all them that believe. Thus, we can clearly see that the Lord was pleased with Abraham's faith. Nevertheless, even though in general Abraham was a man of faith, there were still times when Abraham wavered in his faith and he he fell. And just like our spiritual father, many times we do the exact same thing. For even though we may know the Lord, even though we've placed our trust in the Lord, even though we've placed our faith in him, there are still many times when we try to do things our own way. And this is what we see here in the 16th chapter of Genesis. For here, Abraham was 85 years old. Sarah was 75 years old. And they still didn't have a child. Therefore, Sarah suggested to Abraham that he father a child through their female slave, Hagar. For Sarah and Abraham felt that they had waited long long enough for God's promise. That nothing seemed to be happening. And how was Abraham going to have a child or offspring if they didn't do something about it? Therefore, they decided that they were going to help the Lord. But even though they may have been sincerely trying to do what was right, they needed to learn that God does not want or need our fleshly help. Isaiah 44, 24 says, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. And this is a reminder to us. For God made the heavens all by himself. God made this earth all by himself. God made the animals all by himself. God made the trees all by himself. God made you. God made me. God made everything all by himself. Amen? And therefore, he does not need our fleshly help in order to accomplish his will. But all he wants us to do is simply believe, trust, and wait on God. That's what Abraham and Sarah needed to learn. And that's the same thing that we need to learn. For we need to learn, church, that God's way is the only way. Does it make sense? God's way is the only way. Now, as we look at our text, we see that Abraham and Sarah had to learn the hard way, the hard way. That it's never good to take matters into our own hands, but it's always best to trust in the Lord. So today we want to take a look at three things that we should do if we want to do things God's way. First, let's look at the Genesis, the 16th chapter again, and just look at the first part of the first verse. Genesis 
And there it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And we're going to stop right there. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. So the first thing we see is that we need to wait on the Lord. We need to wait on the Lord. Now as we look at our text, one can certainly understand why Sarah and Abraham were becoming impatient. For I'm sure that Sarah had wanted a child for many years. And now she was past the age in which women typically have children. Therefore, not only did it seem like her prayers were not being answered in her desire to have a child, but also how could Abraham be the father of a great nation as the Lord had promised him if he couldn't even have one child? Therefore, this had to be a very, very, very difficult trial that Abraham and Sarah had to endure. Nevertheless, even though it was a difficult trial, the Lord still simply wanted Sarah and Abraham to wait and believe. For they needed to trust that my God can do anything. As it says in the 115th Psalm, our God is in the heavens. He has done whatsoever he has pleased. And if we truly believe that my God can do anything, then no matter how difficult the situation may be, we also must be patient and take him at his word. Now, some people may wonder, what exactly does it mean to be patient? I looked it up in the Webster Dictionary. Webster defines patience as enduring affliction or pain without anger or complaint. And there's people throughout the world who exhibit this type of worldly patience. Some people will walk on hot coals. Some people will lie on a bed of nails. Some people will slash their own bodies. Some people even fast until death without a single complaint. And therefore, it could be said that they manifest the world's or Webster's definition of patience. However, these self-inflicted acts of affliction do not produce Christian patience. For Christian patience occurs when we are able to rejoice in the realization that our tribulations are divinely appointed, that they are a part of God's plan, and they help transform us into the likeness of Christ. I'm going to say it again. Christian patience occurs when we are able to rejoice in the realization that our tribulations are divinely appointed, that they are a part of God's plan, and they help transform us into the likeness of Christ. First Peter, the fourth chapter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Therefore, we as children of God can patiently endure our tribulations because we know that God's grace will carry us through. And now we have a new understanding of the value of suffering. Now we have new strength to endure suffering. Now we have new willingness to face suffering. And that's why we're able to patiently endure. So many times we want everything to go our way right now. Isn't that what we want? Me too. (laughs) So, so many times we want to end to our trials and tribulations right now. We want to receive all of our blessings right now. But the word of God teaches us we have got to be patient and wait on the Lord. Lamentations, the third chapter, Jeremiah says, The Lord is good 
to them, unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation or the deliverance of the Lord. By waiting on God, church, we gain strength. By waiting on God, we gain power. By waiting on God, we develop patience. For now we know that same God who delivered me in the past will also deliver me from every trial to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore will the Lord wait that that he may be gracious unto you. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Sadly, we are living in a day and age where we no longer know what it means to be patient and suffer for the Lord's sake. Many of us are like Esau, who was willing to give up his spiritual birthright or his spiritual blessings because he wanted to satisfy his flesh right now. But when Paul was called into the ministry, the Lord said to him, I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And church, did you know the exact same thing is true today? We don't want to hear it because the focus today is on the me gospel. What's in it for me? And that's what the focus is. But as we grow in this Christian walk, we begin to realize it's not all about me. It's not all about what I can get out of life. It's not all about how I can be blessed. But instead, it's all about glorifying Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And therefore... As we grow in our Christian walk, now we begin to have the attitude, if I have to suffer, let me suffer. As long as I'm doing the will of the Lord and Jesus Christ gets the glory. That's how we learn to wait on God. For part of Jesus' work was to wait and to suffer for the glory of God. And the exact same thing is true for us. Part of Jesus' work was to wait and to suffer for the glory of God. And did you know that God can use your suffering for his glory and for our good? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? 1 Peter 2.21 For this purpose were you called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. And contrary to what many people might think, to wait on God does not mean that we sit back and do nothing. But to wait on God means we don't go out on our own. We don't take matters into our own hands. But we put the Lord first. We wait on him to lead us and guide us. And we allow him to work things out according to his plan. Therefore, when we wait on the Lord, we won't go out and try to do things on our own. As the Lord Jesus said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. When we wait on the Lord, we know we can trust in God's word. As the Lord told Joshua, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. When we wait on the Lord, we won't give up, no matter how difficult the situation might be. For as we know, as, as, as it says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
And when we wait on the Lord, we realize that God allows us to go through some of the things that we go through so that we will stop relying on our own strength and fully depend upon him. For David, God wants us to be like David, who said in the 62nd Psalm, Truly, my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. That's why we've got to wait on God. That's why we've got to trust in God. That's why we've got to believe in God. And that's why we've got to patiently endure. As it says in the 40th chapter of Isaiah, 40th chapter of Isaiah, verses 28 through 31. Familiar text to many of us, talking about waiting on God. Isaiah 40, 28. Has thou not known, has thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And church, that's why we've got to wait on the Lord. For God's way is the only way. Amen? Doesn't mean you're going to receive all your blessings right now, but wait on the Lord. For God's way is the only way. Right now, let's go back to Genesis, the uh, 16th chapter, and we're going to look at the first six verses there. Genesis, the 16th chapter, the first six verses there. And there it reads, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian. After Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarah said unto Abram, here Sarah is kind of blaming Abraham for her suggestion. She said, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. But Abram said unto Sarai, behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly or harshly with her, she fled from her face. And so first of all, to do things God's way, we need to wait on God. The second thing we see is that we can't be led by the flesh. We can't be led by the flesh. Unfortunately, in our text, Sarah and Abraham's main concern was not the glory of God, but their main concern was to have a child. And therefore, it appears that Sarah may have been somewhat disappointed in God, or perhaps even blaming God, when she said, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. However, Sarah needed to remember that God's delays are not necessarily his denials. But having been through the experience of losing a child, I can somewhat understand how Sarah must have felt. For it's during those times when you're most vulnerable, will Satan will often tempt us and whisper in our ears, if God loved you, if he truly loved you, things would be different. God is holding out on you. 
Who wants to serve a God like this who allows something like this to happen? And I think many of us have been in situations or circumstances just like Sarah when we were tempted to blame God because things weren't going our way. Any of you ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. But I think all of us, many of us have been in that situation. Therefore, we can certainly understand how Sarah must have felt. For here, Abraham and Sarah had been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And they still didn't have a child. But here, here had been, and, and since, you know, um, God had made this promise to Abraham, now it had been 10 long years since the Lord promised Abraham that he'd be the father of a great nation and his seed would be as numerous as the earth. But as of yet, Abraham didn't even have one child. Therefore, Sarah decided to take matters into her own hands and help God out. And she said to Abraham, I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. Now to the natural mind, what Sarah said may have sounded good. It may have looked good. It may have made sense for what harm would it do as long as they had a child. But the problem was, the problem was, this was not the way of the Lord. For Abraham and Sarah did not ask the Lord for guidance. There's no indication that they went to him in prayer. But they just decided to do what they thought was best. And not surprisingly, as a result, they just ended up making things worse. For after Hagar became pregnant, she became prideful and looked down on Sarah. Sarah became bitter and mistreated Hagar. Abraham abandoned his role as spiritual leader and listened to the voice of his wife instead of the voice of God. Their home immediately became a place of discord and confusion. And how often do we do the exact same thing? For just like Abraham and Sarah, so many times we get impatient and we feel like we have to fix our problems instead of waiting on God. Anybody been there besides me? I've been there multiple times, amen? Multiple times. So many times we get impatient and we feel like we have to fix our problems instead of waiting on God. But anytime we do this, all we will end up doing is making things worse. Amen? One example is given in that sixth chapter of 2 Samuel. We'll go there again. That sixth chapter of 2 Samuel, what we read earlier. Turn there real quick. Sixth chapter of, of 2 Samuel. And there, what we see there is that when David returned the ark of God to Israel, there David had to learn the hard way, the hard way, that God's way is the only way. For here in the, in the book of Samuel, the enemies had taken the ark of God, and the ark of God represented the presence of God. They had taken it from the tabernacle, and they had kept it for several years. But now the Philistines returned the ark of God to Israel. And therefore, Israel was excited, and, and they had a great parade-like march as they prepared to receive the ark. And verse 3 says, And they set the ark of God upon a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah, and Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. Now, even though David was truly trying to honor the Lord, the great mistake that he made was putting the ark on a new cart. For by doing so, he was trying to do the work of the Lord in his own way. 
For the Lord had given specific instructions on how the ark of God was to be moved. The word of God says that it had to be covered. Two rods were to be inserted in four rings located in the four corners of the ark. And then the ark could only be carried on the shoulder of the priest and no one could touch it. However, when the Philistines had the ark, they were ignorant of God's word. And therefore, their religious leaders simply did what they thought was best. And they placed the ark on a new cart when they returned it to Israel. Now, this new cart looked good. This new cart moved good. There was nothing on the outside to indicate there was anything wrong with this cart. But the problem was putting the ark on a new cart was not the way of the Lord. And David should have known this. For the way that the ark was to be moved was clearly revealed in the word of God. However, you know what David did? David made the same mistake that many of us make. He didn't go to God's word. He didn't consult the Lord. But instead, he got a consensus from the people all around him. How many of us do the same thing? Amen. Amen. First Chronicles 13, 1 says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. But because they were also ignorant of God's word, and the new cart looked good to them, They just decided to copy the way of the religious leaders from Philistine and move the ark on a new cart like it was done before. But then verses 6 and 7 says, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. So this ark was on the cart. It was being pulled by the oxen. The oxen stumbled. The, The ark began to fall. Uzzah put forth his hand to try to keep it from falling. But then verse 7 says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there, struck him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. Those are some rough verses, aren't they? Those are some rough verses. But even though he was trying to do the right thing, they should have known that this was not the way of the Lord. Didn't matter that David was king of Israel. Didn't matter that Uzzah was just trying to prevent the ark from falling. Didn't matter that David was a man after God's own heart. These men had disobeyed God's word, and now they had to deal with the consequences. And church, this is a lesson for us. For even in this dispensation of grace, our services to God must also be something that we take seriously. Even in the New Testament, it says that our God is a consuming fire. Even in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5.11, Paul said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Even in the New Testament, Jesus said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Therefore, church, this story is also a lesson for us. For many times, instead of digging into God's word, And consulting the Lord, we want to copy the ways of the world around us and simply do what everyone else is doing. But just like David, if we have not fully submitted ourselves to the Lord, no matter how much work we're doing, and no matter how hard we try, all our worship is being done in vain, and we are not truly doing the work of the Lord. For true service for the Lord is Christ-like character. True service for the Lord is obedience to his word. True service for the Lord is love for the brethren. True service for the Lord is separation from the world. That's the type of service that glorifies him. 
So instead of doing things our own way, the Lord simply wants us to trust and believe. For we need to learn that God's way is the only way. Amen? God's way is the only way. All right, let's wrap it up now. Amen? Let's go to Genesis, the 16th chapter again. And we're going to look at verses uh, 7 through 10. Genesis, the 16th chapter, verses 7 through 10. And there it reads, And the angel of the Lord found her, found Hagar, by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where'd you come from and, and where are you going? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. So to do things God's way, we need to wait on God. The second thing we saw is that to do God's way, we can't be led by the flesh. And last but not least, to do, to do things God's way, we need to submit to the Lord. We need to submit to the Lord. Now, the only way that Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar could get out of this mess was they had to learn to repent and submit themselves to the Lord. For they were at war with each other because they were at war with the Lord and because of the selfish desires that existed within their own hearts. James 4.1 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Hagar had to submit to the Lord by humbling herself and submitting to to Sarah. Sarah had to submit to the Lord by not mistreating Hagar. Abraham had to submit to the Lord by placing the voice of the Lord ahead of the voice of his wife. But the good news that we learn from this story is that even when we mess up, and all of us mess up, don't we? Every single one, we all mess up. But even when we mess up, thanks be to God, God does not give up on us. For God's grace is greater than our sin. Romans 5.20 says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Therefore, there is nothing, not even sin, that can override God's plans or stop God's love for us. And when we realize this, we also realize no matter how much we mess up, God will still bless us if we simply submit ourselves to him. We saw this was true with Abraham. We saw this was true with Sarah. We saw this was true with Hagar. And the same thing is true for us. And that's why no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance, the Lord wants us to learn to submit ourselves to him. And true submission is not something that just occurs on Sunday morning or on Wednesday evening. But true submission occurs 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day, every hour, every minute, and every second. That's why Proverbs 23, God said, my son, my daughter, give me thine heart. That's what the Lord wants from each and every one of us. He doesn't want the activity so much as he says, my son, give me thine heart. He wants all of us. Amen. Amen. He wants all of us. This is the way to joy. This is the way to rest. This is the way to peace. This is the way to blessings. For when we give God our hearts, we also realize that God's work can only be done in God's strength 
and through God's power. That's why we've got to turn everything over to him. Amen? Got to turn everything over to him. And if you have any doubt, if you have any doubt whatsoever, just look at the scriptures. Amen? Just look at the scriptures. For the Lord tells us over and over and over and over again what happens when we don't submit and we do things our own way. For instance, when God told Cain to offer a sacrifice, he did things his own way and he offered the sacrifice that he wanted to give instead of the blood sacrifice that God had ordained. But as a result, He became jealous of his brother Abel and he ended up killing him. When Rebekah and and Jacob saw that Isaac was about to give Esau the blessing, they did things their own way and they stole the blessing, even though the Lord had already told Rebekah that the elder would serve the younger. But as a result, Jacob had to run away from home and he never saw his mother again. When Moses saw one of his Jewish brethren being beaten by an Egyptian, He did things his own way, and he killed the Egyptian. But as a result, Moses ended up running for his life, and he spent 40 years isolated in the land of Midian. When Korah thought that Moses and Aaron were taking too much upon themselves, he did things his own way, and he said, I'm going to be a priest. But as a result, just as Korah divided the people, God sent an earthquake that divided the earth and swallowed up Korah and all of those who followed him. When the Pharisees came to arrest Jesus, Peter did things his own way and he cut off the high priest's servant's ear. But Jesus healed the servant's ear and he rebuked Peter saying, they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. And when Abraham and Sarah thought they were too old to have a son, they did things their own way. And Abraham had a son Ishmael through their female slave Hagar. And Ishmael's descendants, the Arabs, and Isaac, descendants, the Jews, have been fighting and killing each other ever since. But we've got to learn why do things our own way when God is everything that we need. Amen? Amen. He's everything that we need. Therefore, we need to wait on God. Therefore, we need to believe in God. Therefore, we need to trust in God. Therefore, we need to have faith in God. No matter what you're going through, place your trust in the Lord. That's why David said in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd church. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He lead me the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, church, surely, church, surely, church, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? Don't do things your own way, but put your trust in God. For God's way 
is the only way. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, oh, you are such an awesome God, Lord. You are such an awesome God, Lord. And you and you alone are worthy to be praised. I pray, Lord, that we would realize that your way truly is the only way. That's the way to blessing. That's the way to peace. And that's the way to joy. I pray, Lord, as we walk this Christian walk, Lord, that we would place all of our trust, our faith, and our hope in you. And if there's someone present today who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that their heart might be touched and they might come crying out and say, what must I do to be saved? And prayerfully, they will come to know that you said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I just pray, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would lead us, guide us, anoint us, and help us to be the Christian men, the Christian women that you desire for us to be. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.